Before we get to this week's podcast, it appears that one of our topics from last week landed us in a little bit of hot water. Unfortunately, it's looking like we may be getting embroiled in some legal entanglements. Let's take a listen so you can make up your own minds. Hey guys, this is Donnie Wojohoe. It's the district manager from Manny's. We are pursuing legal action due to the libelous and slanderous remarks made by this here podcast. I'm giving the phone over to one of our lawyers here, Donna Iris. This is Donna Iris, legal representative of Manny's. Our feud is definitely able to be consumed by cats and other creatures. When we throw out them leftovers and leave on your plates, a lot of street cats show up to dine. Even when there was that big three-bedroom, two-bath pothole outside our store, people came in the store to get that food. We're filling it again right now if you hear that noise. Even as construction blocked four out of five streets leading to our establishment for 10 months, people came again to get food. Even as Gertie's Run flooded over and the streets of Millville flooded for the 12th time this year, people rode their asses here past the cones and potholes to get that food. Is that good? We will collaborate with Edgar Snyder against any one of you who say... Yeah, this is Donnie Wojciechowicz again. Edgar Schneider wasn't available, but don't be waving your terrible talent victory yet. We've got plenty of other choices around here. Maybe we'll call that Roman Al Law guy with that lawyer. You know, the one that looks like John Travolta who got taken out of the oven too soon. Like he's made out of melted ice cream and that. Maybe we'll call that Dugan guy. He counts on his fingers and he's got the personality of a block of wood. Or maybe we'll call Burger and Green with their flaming accidents and explosion videos going on in the background while they let you know how hard they're going to fuck you in the ass in court. <laughs> Peace out. We're suing you. Again. This is Tony. And this is Andy. And this is the internet. All right, so we're here, episode three of Yins and That. I want to wish everybody a happy Chris Kunitz Day. Today is the third anniversary of Chris Kunitz demolishing the Ottawa Senators franchise and dropping them into the basement forever. So happy Chris Kunitz Day. Here, here. I remember watching that game just being unbelievably tense. It's a game seven, man. And it's in double overtime. There were so many great plays back and forth, incredible stops, incredible plays. Everybody was on edge. I have watched those last 30 to 40 seconds of that game probably a dozen times, just like in the last month, because it pops up on YouTube constantly for me. Yeah. And seeing Crosby's pass to Kunitz. And then I'll be, I'll be honest here. I do feel a little bit bad. Oh, I feel so bad for you, Mr. Anderson, you goalie. Just, just the way that he slumps when he realizes that goal has gone past him. Yeah. It's just the dude had a stressful year. Mm-hmm. And he carried that team to where they were one goal away from the Stanley Cup Finals. But Chris Kunitz just owned him. I love it. <laughs> yeah, he definitely teabagged them. So topic of the day. You've got one celebrity that you can sit down and have a full evening of dinner and drinks or whatever and just talk to. Alive Who is day? it? Uh, let's go with Alive. Okay. Because um, the whole dead thing, I mean, 
I, I don't want to deal with history and all that kind of stuff. Currently alive celebrity that you can have a pleasant, wonderful discussion filled evening with. Who would it be and why? Go. So who's who's yours? So, all right. It changes fairly frequently because depends on what I'm into at the moment. Uh, who knows? It, last year, it might have been somebody completely different. However, this year, uh, or at least right now, uh, it's got to be Seth Green. And here's why. Huh. Y- yeah, Seth it, Green. <laughs> like, there's everybody in the world, and it would be Seth Green? Yes. Yes. Huh. I've actually put a lot of thought into this. So hear me out on it. Okay. Seth Green. A little bit of backstory. I'm very interested in voiceover work. You have narration, instructional video, animation, different types of animation, commercial, business, uh, all kinds of stuff. But holy shit, there's a lot of work that needs to be done before you can even pretend to be professional. Just having a good voice ain't going to cut it. So I've been doing a whole lot of research in both areas, listening to a whole bunch of podcasts. In fact, that's why we're doing this podcast is because I kind of wanted to jump on that bandwagon and wanted to have these regular phone calls with you to kind of chat just randomly what we're doing. Seth Green has been doing a ton of voice work in the animation field. His network of people is astronomical. Seth Green has maintained an insane level of activity in his career. He has an insane network of people that he can work with at the drop of a hat. And I think sitting down for an evening and just chatting with him about what, what's his work ethic? How does he treat or how does he approach his creative ideas? How does he approach people that he knows to work with them? He has done something right in his career in order to maintain such a large group of people who are willing and eager to work with him. And he is unbelievably prolific with what he does. If you're not dealing with it, you just see him kind of as the goofy guy who's always in the comedies and he does his robot chicken stuff on Cartoon Network. It can seem a little out there. But from my perspective, holy shit, this guy has a lot of information and a lot of insight to share. And I would love to just sit down over dinner, a couple of drinks, just chat out how did he or how does he really see himself and how does he maintain and uh, cultivate this stable of people that are his friends and still maintain that creative drive to do stuff with them? Because it, it can be super stressful when you're doing something creative and everybody's not on the same page. So not only does he manage to do this, he manages to be creative. He manages to put stuff out and he manages to keep these people liking him. It's how, what's, what is that alchemical formula and how can I steal it for myself? So basically you just want to start tweeting him and get his publicist on the line so you can actually interview him maybe. Uh, sure. Um, I'm pretty positive that's going to be met with a, who the fuck are you guys? Hey, everyone has to start out somewhere. You know? Ex- exactly. Everybody starts somewhere. I would love to throw a couple of tweets out to him and say, hey, while we're um, while I'm sitting at home and you're probably busy doing stuff that is creative and interesting, would you mind just 15 minutes to answer one or two of my questions? 
Well, you can always just send them a link to Yin's Nat, the TV or the web series, short-lived web series. And we also did Vader to the Wonder Years. Yep. You know? Oh, absolutely. And I mean, that, that's, again, kind of another reason of why we did this, because those were our big creative endeavors. Had a lot of fun doing those things. We did a lot during that time. And then we just kind of trailed off. Yeah. These guys, Seth Green, his group, Breckin Meyer, the rest of those guys, they didn't trail off. They continued on with it. And that might be another topic to, to ask is what kind of obstacles did you hit? Obviously, they didn't just feel like, well, shit, let's throw in the towel and stop uh, because they're doing shit now. But was there ever a time where they were really, really discouraged by a response that they had? Everybody in show business gets used to rejection because it happens all the time. And it's not just because you are a terrible person. It's because you weren't the right fit for what the producer was looking for. Yeah. So it's, it's not as personal, or at least the stories that people are, are, that I hear. Um, the stories that these folks say, it's never really personal. It's still all business. It's why they call it show business. You can't take it personal or you'll drop out at the first sign of resistance. So what were those things of resistance? How did he overcome them? Well, I mean, you could look at it another way. Like, I mean, just doing something completely different, putting something out there that people aren't used to seeing, like the same bullshit that Hollywood puts out. It's a remake. It's a reboot. It's a reboot of a remake. <laughs> it's put something original out like letter Kenny came out. And I mean, that was based off of a few webisodes and it's fucking huge. I mean, it's kind of like with us with Yin's and that, that is kind of what we were trying to do. And it just, we didn't have a professional production crew going at it, you know, or even like semi professionals. It's who's basically me doing everything yeah. um, for camera editing, all that shit. So it, it was just, it was just too much for one person to take. And I guess I should have delegated some things better, but. Well, I mean, you were, you were the expert on everything. You didn't have uh, Scott Mosier to kind of dump stuff off to. I know that Smith and Mosier were a team, so I'm not disparaging Mosier. I don't really know all that he did on it, but they were partners and like Smith and Mosier pushed together to do this. Yeah, despite as much as, as I wanted to kind of continue on with it, I didn't have any of the education and understanding of the camera work, the blocking, the editing, any of that stuff. And yeah, yeah. it was like, yeah, you're the one that knows or you were going to school for it and you were very interested in it, but nobody but I, was there to back you up, myself no. included. I, and I was far from an expert because, I mean, my problem, I definitely had trouble editing things. Which is, you know, looking back at a lot of the things we did, it's like, man, I wish I would have went back and made a couple changes to make it have better beats and everything. And, but I didn't. And I mean, it's something I still would like to, to continue with. I mean, I still have ideas. I mean, I'd still love to do like the little skits. Like, I mean, I still have a note file full of ideas that we've come up with, you know, <laughs> that we were going to do. And we just never, never got around to doing it. Maybe when you uh when you come back up to visit when um or I come down there to visit we uh have some time we could put together some of these ridiculous ideas that we have and just shoot them real quick because it wouldn't be that difficult I mean it was mostly just us two for the most part yeah and th these were a lot of ideas that were fueled by lots of booze around a fire pit when we were drunk and wondering hey what's what's something funny that would entertain us yeah. I mean, I, th I thought we had some pretty good ideas too, so. 
I mean, oh, yeah. yeah. I, I definitely think we should do that. I'm absolutely game for that. All right. We'll do that. Yeah. Uh, okay. So for me, somebody that I would have dinner with celebrity wise, I mean, it's difficult because there's so many different aspects. I love filmmaking. So like, I would definitely like to get into that talking just filmmaking wise. It'd be like, probably right now, like John Favreau. He's done like a bunch of the Disney stuff. I mean, he did, he started Iron Man. He did those first two. And then, I mean, I know he did a bunch of stuff for Disney. Like, didn't he do the Lion King and some other animated movie or whatever? And now he's doing the Mandalorian. I, I just so interested in how that idea came about and just would like to just sit down and just pick his brain for. I still would love to get into the business, but my problem is I like my hours 6.30 to 3 <laughs> and being on, on film sets are like 16 hour days because I did do background work in a bunch of different films like Zach and Mary and um, the next three days, you're out, she's out of my league, Warriors, I, I was on, um, what was it, Sudden Death with Jean-Claude Van Damme. Yeah, it was shot here in Pittsburgh, and they opened up the Civic Arena for what was it, Game Seven of the Stanley Cup Finals against the Blackhawks. So I've I've had some background work and everything else, but like talking to him about, I, I mean, I've seen some of the like special features behind the scenes of the Mandalorian and stuff he's doing there, and it's just him and Dave Filoni. I, I mean, because Dave's from Pittsburgh, he's from Mount Lebanon. I really feel he's the future of Star Wars at this point. Him and him and then like John Favreau. So in since Star Wars has been such a big part of my life, I would really like to see to sit down and then like talk to them. I mean, I would I'd probably be starstruck. I mean, I've met celebrities before and, and some of them I had the stupidest conversations with because I was like, duh, you know. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. I think it's understandable to be starstruck when you're not surrounded by them. Yeah. Even the folks who are living in LA, they get starstruck by their heroes from time to time. So mm -hmm. anybody that tells you, oh, you know, we're just normal people, that's a whole load of horseshit. They are, but even they get starstruck. They fall victim to, holy shit, I've seen this person on screen. They're worth bajillions of dollars because they're so talented or they've been a visionary or whatever. In Pittsburgh, we have Mr. Rogers and Rick Seaback, <laughs> you know, yeah. Michael Keaton and Jeff Goldblum. Like, if I see these guys, obviously, I'm going to be a little bit starstruck. I'll try to play it cool, but the chances are, if I tried to speak with them in a public setting, I would just, like, blah, 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 tongue twister, not be able to form a coherent sentence with them. Yeah, I mean, the experiences that I've had with celebrities, they've been hit or miss, I, I remember I met Dream Theater at a signing and I, I met them a couple of times actually, but this one time, this is right when like the Blair Witch Project came out and uh, Mike Portnoy, the drummer was, is a big film buff and, and he had like a Blair Witch beanie hat on and it got, I got up to him and I'm like, oh, you like the Blair Witch? You know, he's like, yeah, I loved it. It was a great movie, you know, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, you know, it, I, I liked it. A lot of people said it sucked. He just like looked up at me looked back down, signed his name, passed, passed the, the poster over to the next guy. <laughs> but then I've had like good experiences. Like I've met the most of uh, the members of Incubus after the concert uh, one time in Pittsburgh. And I had a full on conversation with Brandon and Mike and, and it, they were just all so nice people. And then um, I also met Kristen Bell once at, I was at uh, Star Wars Celebration 4 in LA. I ended up talking to her for like five minutes and it was like, she's the nicest person in the world. I would like to have dinner with her. Um, you can leave Dak at home. 
but yeah, I would. She was awesome, and I did meet, or I didn't meet, but I did have an interaction with uh, Hank Azaria and Jill, Jake Gyllenhaal. I did. I, I was supposed to be a stand-in for one of the actors for Love and Other Drugs that was shot here in Pittsburgh, and they were. I, w- I had to go to the casting office, so I was sitting in the hall waiting to go in, and then at door at the other end of the hall opens up and Hank Azaria and Jake Gyllenhaal start walking down the hall. And I'm just like, that really looks like Jake Gyllenhaal and Hank, Hank Azaria. And I'm like, oh shit. And then they both like walk by me and, and they're like, hi. I'm like, hi, how you doing? They're like, good. Really quick. So I was kind of starstruck, but I didn't really have a, a conversation. I mean, that's all mostly anybody really wants, I guess, is just hi. That's another thing. It's like when you're driving and the lane, the road is too narrow for two gar- two cars to go at the same time, and you stop and let the other person come. It's like courtesy. Just acknowledge a wave, a nod, a beep, whatever. Why do people just like go by as if, oh, well, fuck you. I'm the fucking king of the road. Do you that- know that they're not king of the road? N- yes, I do. Okay, because I was going to say, if they had a crown, they might have been the self-proclaimed king of the road. No, there's the, no no one's wearing crowns when they're driving. Pittsburghers because, do. Well, Burger King they, crowns. That's how you know. Well, yeah, but that's different. <laughs> that's so different. Remember that one time we went to Burger King late at night after uh, a night at Southside drinking? Yes. Was that the, the infamous uh, Jack Snakebite night? That could have been. It, yeah, I think there were there were a number of those nights that kind of all blurred together. The $8 pitchers of snake bites where it was like throw down a 20 and get a bunch of them. And I think you and I were the only ones drinking. This. So we basically had a pitcher of snake bites each. Yeah. Yeah. And In then, a short a period of time. Oh, this yeah. Was, this wasn't over like 45 minutes. This was gone in like 15 minutes tops. Oh, right. If nobody else was going to drink them, I wasn't going to let that stuff go bad. No. I mean, I, I don't know that snake bites go bad, but I wasn't going to test that. I no. wanted to make sure that when they put that liquor in there, everything was as fresh as possible when it hit my gullet. Yeah, it was like it was power drink time. Yeah, we got really, really fucked up really quickly. And then we um, right before we leave the bar. Well, I wasn't and, driving. You weren't driving. So who cared? <laughs> yeah. Don't drink and drive. So, yeah, we did that. And then we ended up going to Burger King up in, um, in Brentwood. We went there and you had like a spiritual event happen that evening. Oh, yes. Whatever I had. And it was just basic burgers. I just wanted a lot of them. It was a Whopper, wasn't it? Some some sort of Whopper? No, no. no, It was just like one of their basic cheeseburgers. Because this was, this was, yeah, this was like they had their special value menu before value menu was really a thing. And you can get like two cheeseburgers for a dollar. Well, we're drunk, which means we're hungry. Went to uh, Burger King, got the got everything, and went back to your apartment. And I don't know, there were like four or five of us that were sitting there or something. And as yeah. I'm eating the hamburgers in my drunken state, I think pretty much everything except for permantes would have tasted good. So I had these burgers, and about halfway through, I was like, "Oh my god, dude! I think God Himself made these burgers." So, and that became a quote because. People were not drunk enough to forget my stupid ass comments. So no. we wrote that on your refrigerator yes. in like wet erase marker. I had a, a bunch of quotes. We would usually, if it was quotable, we would put it on the fridge. And this one definitely 
deserve to be up there because I, I know it's one of those things you kind of had to be there because of the situation, the drunkenness or whatever, and there's just the tone of your voice. It was a spiritual event for all of us. Yeah, it was, it was like an epiphany for me. The reverence and I think the importance that I imparted upon those words, it made it heavier than they really were. Because that's, like you said, you had to be there. You had to have the full experience of that night or everything kind of associated with it. Because retelling it now, people are probably thinking, you guys are fucking morons. And you're right. Yes, we are. But it entertained the shit out of us for years. That was something that we had referenced many, many times beyond its fathomable lifespan. It's been like one of our inside jokes. That's what inside jokes are. They're stupid yeah. little things that continue to live beyond what they really should. And this was a prime candidate for it because it was absolutely hysterical at the time. We all remembered it and it has lived within our group since then. And that's why now we're going to change the name of the podcast to You Should Have Been There. Yes. And... Yeah. We're going to tell stories about all of our old drunken and sober times that benefit you if you would have been there. But like, I know it's not, you're not going to care now. So totally. It's, <laughs> it's so different. If you if you had only been there, you'd be laughing just as hard as we are. Actually, I can write that on. I have a my kitchen is now uh, one section is uh, dry or it's a chalkboard paint. So I can write that as a quote on mine. Awesome. Yes, I will do that. That will One live the there forever in infamy until you no, until, until you wipe it down. Until, until I wipe it down. I started drawing a portal from Rick and Morty, and then I did um, the big fucking heads that say "Show me what you got." I drew one of those. I'm trying to. I I want to sit down and draw Rick and Morty on there a bit. Like I haven't. For one, I suck at drawing. The guy who went to art school sucks at drawing. Yes, I know. So like, yeah, I want to do that. I'm going to do that eventually. You know, but not today. <laughs> I, my, I was actually thinking. So before I sat down and chose Seth Green as my one celebrity to sit and have dinner and discussion with, I was carefully weighing Dan Harmon as a as an alternative. And then, yeah, because I really appreciate and respect and am puzzled by his ability to create worlds and create characters. You know, if you're listening to a lot of the commentary in both Rick and Morty and Community, and you're listening to Harmontown and kind of understanding where this guy's coming from, first off, the dude's a broken guy. And a lot of creativity comes from that brokenness. You know, there are a significant number of creatives that have had some kind of trauma in their past that they that they call on and use in order to kind of fuel their creativity. You know, me calling him broken isn't a surprise to anybody. He's come out and said it himself. Anyway, getting kind of back to my actual point on this is the dude creates worlds, he creates characters, and he has them fully fleshed in his head before things get started. I mean, I've heard multiple um, interviews about community where he knew a lot of the arcs of many of these characters, or he knew the full background stories and how they intertwined and how they were supposed to interact before they, you know, the single frame had been filmed. Yeah. And that kind of thoroughness, he sounds like he does a shit ton of work in advance in order to make sure everything is coherent. Everything has a beginning, a, a climax and end. That's impressive mainly because I can't do it just yet. Um, so yeah. I'd love to, you know, sit down and hang with him and talk about his 
method of world building and how he melts his creativity into all of that. But I think, yeah, this in, in that kind of battle there, Seth Green won out for me. There's nothing wrong with that. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, Seth, what, okay, what was, what's one of your top two or three Seth Green roles? He does a lot of the, the robot chicken stuff, just the creativity that he has. So uh, I think Seth Green is actually older than the both of us, just by like a, a year or two. Man, where's our fact checker? I have access to this crazy thing called the internet. And on it, there's this site called IMDB. He is 46 years old. Yes. So 1974, just a few years older than the two of us. Philadelphia. He's born in Philadelphia. I know. Really? I, I'm not going to hold that against him. I know. Oh, I know. I still, I would want to sit down and have dinner with him. Fine. Yeah. Um, uh, where the fuck was I even going with this? I lost my train of thought. Top three roles. Oh, Seth Green. Yeah. Yeah. So I have this magical portal called IMDB that's on the internet. And I was able to find all this stuff out because I do for all my bullshit about improvisation. I do actually do some research and try to fact check my own facts because too many times I've looked inadvertently like an idiot. That's opposed to looking like an idiot on purpose, which I do fairly frequently anyway. Then I've spouted off wrong shit, which comes back to bite me in the ass all the time. Uh, yeah, the robot chicken stuff where he absolutely shines. Oh, the whole fucking reason why I said he was only a couple of years older than us is because he watched the same cartoons that we did growing up. He played yes. with the same toys that we played with growing up, the same video games. Like he is... He's our generation. Exactly. So a lot of his humor I absolutely get because I was there. We were there. We knew this uh, Saturday morning cartoon or... Uh, before grade school cartoon kind of environment, the He-Man and G.I. Joe and all those toys, the half hour glorified commercials, we were in on that stuff. So a lot of the stuff in his robot chicken, I love him in Austin Powers, the Austin Powers movies. Yeah, those were good. Yeah. In fact, I like a lot, not all, but a lot of Mike Myers brand of, of humor. Some of it falls flat, but the guy goes all in on understanding and performing comedy. And yes, he some of those awesome powers ones, especially with Seth Green there, were just out of this world spectacular. For, for me, because I, I was a big Buffy fan, I always liked Seth Green and Buffy. Yeah, his sarcasm as Oz was, was really good. Yeah. Yeah, he was a whitey little brat in Austin Powers. <laughs> and that, that was good. And what he oh on Family Guy? I yeah, mean, I mean that's yeah. Chris Griffin again. I think Seth Green has been on so many things. He's been on that '70s show. Um, he's been on Family Guy. Everything that deals with that kind of megaverse. There, um, you know, American Dad. All of those coworkers that he works with are willing to work with him again and again and again in various projects. And that's not just his voice acting. That's him being a screen actor as well. A lot of his co-workers there. Uh, Robot Chicken has so many members from Buffy and Angel and Family Guy. They all come back to work mm -hmm. with him over and over and over again. And that's like a testament to not only his, uh, I don't know, friendliness is the right word, but it works here. Also, his willingness to get shit done. Because if all he had were ideas and never followed through on them, nobody would continue to work with them. They'd be like, yeah, yeah, that's a great idea, but where you have other stuff that's actually going to pay us. And that, that's like the magic sauce. How do you fit all of that shit together and make it successful? So who's your, uh, who's your backup celebrity? 
my backup hub. Yeah. Um, I know we said we said the whole thing was who was the one one celebrity you would get with or the one celebrity that yeah you would... that the one celebrity we'd get with is a different list and I mean right I was trying to I avoid that and then I slipped right into it the the once she said I know this isn't going well is it <laughs> <laughs> sorry um, sorry everybody the the one I, the whole idea behind this was the one celebrity that you would have dinner and discussion with for an evening so that you could talk to them about whatever you wanted and now we're getting into alternatives and who would be the third um now fifth wheel like we've just fucked this topic right up i mean it's it's hard because i like so many different things and Okay, like Pearl Jam is one of my favorite bands. So like I would like to talk to Eddie Vedder and just have like a fucking conversation, have a drink with him. You know, that would be cool. You know, anyone who knows me, this is obvious. So I'd I'd try to like not pick somebody that's as famous or whatever. And right now, honestly, there is one the lead singer of the ongoing concept. Uh, I can't remember his name right now. I would like to have a conversation with him. Dawson? Dawson Scholes? I think that's his name. Um, he, anyone who, who knows this band, the ongoing concept, their music is has a little bit of everything. I mean, there's songs that is just piano and singing, and then there's a lot of their stuff is metal, you know, where they're screaming and everything. I, I saw a couple interviews of him, and I really feel that he is me, but successful. He actually went and did the things that I wanted to do, and I mean, I like, and he he's doing it. I mean, he he he's in the band. I, like, I don't know if they're still together or not because I know like it was basically three brothers and a friend, and then the the other two brothers left, and then the the new album came out and it, they weren't on it. But they also have a production company that he's he's doing, um, and that's like I guess his his day job. And I mean, he does music producing and, and all this other stuff, and. All these things that he's doing is stuff that I wanted to do. He really is a successful version of me. Just his influences, like music-wise and everything, I'm like, it, it was just so similar. It, it's just really eerie in a way. So I would like to have, he would be like an alternative. I would like to have dinner with him and just BS about music and video production and everything. And then kidnap him and assume his place. No. <laughs> No, I don't want to take anyone's place. I mean, I haven't been as successful in my life as I would like to be, but I am happy where I am right now. I can actually say Good. that. <laughs> it's not like we're getting any younger. It's like we're just old people. I now. know. So, so it's just like, you know, make the best of it. I'm not going to try to stress out over every little thing. And anxiety is a bitch to deal with. Anyone who deals with anxiety, depression, anything, it is hard. And so it has been very difficult going through life with these things but i'm finally through therapy and other means like i've been remodeling my house and everything and just like in disc golf and everything like a lot of these things combined have helped put me in a place where i am not as anxious anymore and i'm okay with how things are it's it's like a I don't know what kind of level this is or whatever but like i just feel like in a better place than i have been in most of my life that's yeah. like that's like level four laser lotus yeah i was thinking that but like <laughs> I, I mean it could be it could be level seven too. Ooh, i don't think anybody's ever been to level seven no pierce only made it but to level WC's, six yeah but i mean 
I want to see the color blurple. True, so. true. That is that is very enticing. So on that note, let's end this and go enjoy this beautiful day. It's freaking 83 degrees out. Happy Memorial Day. It is Memorial Day. Yes. Right? We're doing this We on Memorial are recording day, a so. Memorial Day, yes. Good night and have a pleasant tomorrow. Goodbye, all. <laughs>